0: Uh, so I need your help today. I need you guys with me. I'm going to have you guys talking. I'm going to have you guys raising your hands at different times. So just raise your hand if you'd be happy to never be in a Zoom meeting ever again. Just go ahead. And yeah, that's a lot of us, right? We're kind of tired of it. Now, we got to be thankful for it because it did serve its purpose in this last year or so. But I think for most of us, we're like just over it. And I think that we find different categories of people, right? Have you ever seen the person who's just pouring their ha- heart out on Zoom? And they're just going for it, they're crying, they're weeping, but you can't hear any of it because even though it's 2021, some people don't realize there's a mute button, right? Like, isn't that super frustrating? And then you have the opposite of that. You have the person who never puts the mute button on, regardless of what's going on in their home. You have the kids screaming, you have dogs barking, the spouse is practicing the tuba, the neighbors are shooting AK-47s, and it doesn't seem to matter because they just keep that mute on, right? And then you have background guy. Anybody in the room willing to admit that you're background guy? Like, you're the person who puts the background up behind you. Uh, You're in Italy one week, you're on the beach the next, you're at Disney the next week. You're in your basement. We all know. Okay? Just stop. All right? And then we have accidental background guy. Now, accidental background guy doesn't realize his kids were using Zoom before him, and so there's some ridiculous background up on the screen. Now, accidental background guy has a name. It's Doug Jansen, and uh, this was the screen when I went on a really important Zoom meeting with some really important people, three of which I'd never met before, and they're all laughing at me. And uh, accidental background guy doesn't realize how to take that down, so it takes about five minutes to get your child down to do it for you. And so we live in this Zoom age, and of course it's because of all we've experienced in this last year, right? This infection and this isolation that's taken place. And I want to talk with you about those two words today, infection and isolation. The first word, infection, of course, like the infection came at mankind, it's also come at you and I when it comes to this virus of sin in each and every one of our lives. And it's way worse than we thought. Like a lot of us kind of think Like, ah, yeah, maybe like middle school, high school, I started getting messed up and making dumb decisions. But like, no, we were a mess from the very beginning, okay? In fact, I encourage you when you go to pick up your your babies down at the nursery at the end of the service, just say, I'm here to pick up my little sinner. Just go ahead with that, all right? In fact, we didn't even write their names on their name tag today, just as little sinner number one, little (laughs) sinner number two, right? Because it's incredible how early we can get, find ourselves in trouble. And when I was about three years old, my parents began to find me sneaking in to the fridge and getting an entire stick of butter and eating it like an ice cream cone, okay? So that gives you a little background on what you don't do this. (laughs) It's a little background on Doug, right? Now, I was told over and over again not to do this, and yet I would continue to do it. So right there at about three years old, you've got disobedience, deceit, and gluttony, right? All taking place right there. And so it's amazing how we start out kind of in trouble, right? We start out going, oh man, I, I'm maybe not a good person, and, and I kind of want to talk to you today. If you came in today and you feel like you're a good person, you've done a lot of good things in your life, and, and you kind of have saved yourself, well, then we need to talk to you about that because that's not the truth. But there's this other side of it, too, where some of us might come in and saying, well, if God is in the business of saving, I don't think he wants anything to do with me because of all the bad I've done. So it's like these extremes. You know, the people who think that they can save themselves and the people who think they can't be saved. And so I want to talk with you about all that. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in here saying, well, what about me? Well, we're going to get to that because I want God to do something. I'm praying God will do something really special in all of our hearts today, whether we have known Jesus for a long time, and this is our 50th Easter service, or this is all brand new to us, or we're watching online. I just pray that God will do something very special today. I believe him for that, all right? And so I need you in on that with me. And so this infection comes, which leads to this isolation of mankind, and we have been isolated now from God. My wife Kelly did an amazing job a few weeks ago talking about the story of Lazarus and how, or I'm not Lazarus. I'm sorry, the leper. Both we'll start with the L's, you know. And so uh, the, the leper who was isolated from his community, and Jesus comes and touches him. And I want to talk with you and I today about the. the isolation that we've all experienced when it comes to God like we have no hope of getting near him like if you picture getting to God like climbing a mountain and getting to the top of that mountain like you and I are falling down that mountain time and time again we are never getting there on our own strength and so though we haven't been completely isolated the whole zoom thing although I'm thankful for it man there's only so far you can get with it there's only so deep you can go with it right the, the Zoom has limitations. You can't hug somebody through Zoom. You can't grab somebody's hand through Zoom. You can't do humor as well through Zoom, because the timing's off. The rhythm's off, right? And, and it just gets a little weird. You can't quite show compassion and empathy. You can't get into his deep discussion, because everyone's kind of leaning back, like, am I supposed to talk now? Am I not? Supposed to? And there's these limitations that come with it. But I love that Jesus, right, when he looks at the isolation of mankind, he doesn't let that stop him. When he looks at the infection of mankind, he decides, I'm not going to play it safe. I'm going to bust through the isolation. I'm going to bust through the infection, and I'm going to come and do for them what they can't do for themselves. Amen? And that's what we're talking about here today on Easter, because I'm not making a political statement like, oh, we shouldn't, you know, we should be like Jesus and not play it safe and not wear a mask and all that kind of stuff. you guys know what happened to me. Right? You know how severely sick and ill and close to death I was from this virus. And so I say, well, let's be smart, right? But I love that Jesus, when faced with isolation and infection, he went all in and didn't play it safe and came for you and came for me. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, let me talk to you for a minute, because I think, again, for some of you, this is your 50th, 60th Easter. It's how long you've lived by now, right? Some of you guys are like, I'm only 10 in. I already know the plot, Doug. Like, I don't think you're changing the plot on us. If you do, there's a problem, okay? So I, I think today, some of you might just be going, oh, it's another Easter service. What am I going to get out of this? If you're a follower of Jesus, I'm crazy enough to believe today that he might just draw us closer to him today. And I pray he's going to do it in two ways. The first way, I pray he's going to walk us deeper into his forgiveness. Because here's what's true of a lot of us we know in our minds, we know theologically that we're forgiven, that God has done something unbelievable to forgive our sin. But I would say it's a very different thing to walk in that forgiveness, right? To not wake up in the middle of the night sweating, thinking about that thing you did, but instead going, wait, I've been forgiven right? To not be driving and just kind of like, you know, in your mind just begins to go places and you begin to go to that horrible failure, that that moment in time, that week in time, that month where you turned your back on God, uh, pre-Christian, man, the stuff you did and and all this stuff. And suddenly the next thing you know, you're just going, man, how could this God even want me? And here's the thing. Though Jesus broke through the isolation and came for us, we self-isolate and we begin to push back at him. And so I pray that God will walk us deeper into our forgiveness here today. And secondly, I pray that he will just get this whole awe thing going on in our heart, this whole awe of who he is and what he's done, and it'll be at a whole different level than what we've ever known before. I'm telling you right now, with me having almost died several times in the last few months, gone through all that I went through, the idea of Jesus saving me means so much more to me. And I'm gonna talk about why that is as we go a little bit deeper here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, did you come in thinking you were okay? Or did you come in thinking you were too far infected? Because neither is true. We need a savior, and yes, he loves you. You need a savior, and yes, he came for you. And so we're gonna look at two places in the Bible here today. Again, for the followers of Jesus, let's go deeper into his forgiveness. Let's become more in awe of what he's done for us and what this salvation is. I hope to say a few things that maybe you've never heard before and or you don't think about much, and it'll just bring you a little bit closer to who God wants you to be. It'll show you a little bit more about what he feels for you. Do you know God feels for you? There are emotions in his heart towards you And I want us to talk about that a little bit today. And then again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you need him, and he wants you. You need him, and he wants you. So we're going to look at 1 Timothy 1 to start. Timothy was a young leader. He was a ministry leader. He was getting trained up to be a pastor. And Paul wrote some amazing things to him about his own life. And if if you aren't sure about all this Jesus Christianity stuff, and you're here checking it out, thank you for coming. And maybe you're thinking, I don't know, man, it seems like... Religious people are always trying to make themselves look good, you know? They're always saying things about themselves to make them look holy. Well, Paul does the exact opposite of that in this part of the scripture we're going to see here. He goes right in and talks about the little sinner he was. He goes right in and talks about how much he needed saving and rescuing. And so in 1 Timothy 1.13, it says, Even though I was once, and he lists three things, a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Let's just stop right there. Paul goes, here's who I am. In case you're wondering who you are, I don't know who you are, but Timothy, here's who I am. Here's the things I've done. I was a blasphemer. I, I mocked God. I blasphemed God. I, I did things that would make God ashamed of me, naturally. I was a persecutor, which means I was okay in even dragging off, Paul describes himself in other portions of Scripture, Christians to their death, right? And I was a violent man toward these followers of Jesus. So here is the deal. If you took all of our sin here in the room, And you took everybody watching online and we just somehow had access to it in this digital age that we live. And we started putting it up on the screen. What each of us have done, right? In fact, we're going to do that starting with you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Why do we have trouble retaining visitors here at Living Word? Maybe it's that whole sin on the screen part of the service. We should (laughs) do away with that. I don't know. But imagine we could do that. Here is my guarantee to you. There's not one person's sin that will come up on that screen that's at the same level as Paul's. I, I guarantee no one in this room or watching online could say, I've blasphemed God and I've persecuted Christians by dragging them off to their death and okaying their death. And I've been violent toward Christians. I just don't think that's happening here in 2021 in our Easter service. And so if you're here today saying, well, I must be worse than Paul, I don't think so. I think Paul's got an edge on us. I think Paul's done some pretty horrible things. And so if you're here counting yourself out, you need to keep reading because it's going to continue on. And Paul, this is kind of Paul's point here. You see, what he says next is, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. So that's some of us. We, we showed up today thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good before God. Paul would have just thought the same thing. I'm, I'm in good standing with God, and I've you know, kept the laws I know to keep, and I've done the things I know to do. And maybe that's some of us here today, but I love that Paul says, but I've, I've been shown mercy because here's the thing. I need you to hear this loud and clear today. You don't need to become good. You need to be cured. I was sitting in a hospital bed, I couldn't breathe, and I was close to death. I didn't need to become good. I needed to be cured. I needed to be whole. I needed to be saved. I needed to be rescued. It wasn't just about me improving a little bit. No, I needed to absolutely be lifted out of the death that I was near. And that's what you and I need as well. And last week, as I began to tell my story, I'm kind of taking a little break today. I'll hit it little spots here and there. But I wanted to really focus on Easter this morning. But as I started to tell my story last week, I can just tell you that after coming out of all of that and almost dying and, and by God's grace getting a, an unbelievable miracle that I don't deserve, I'll tell you that now as I look at the grace of God in other areas of my life and especially my salvation, there's just a whole new level of appreciation for it. I was talking with a friend over lunch a few weeks ago and we were talking about what Jesus has done and I was like, this gift that I've been given of salvation means so much because I know what it is to be helpless physically. I know what it is to sit there, and I'm a pretty resourceful guy. I'm a pretty stubborn guy, and if someone says, let's do this, I'm going to find out a way to do it, man. We're going to go on YouTube and watch every how-to. We're going to talk to experts. We're going to figure we can make this happen, and there I was in that bed helpless to make anything happen, but a gift was given to me, and that's our salvation, and so Paul says, I acted in ignorance and unbelief, and And mercy was shown to me. And so if you and I were to say, Paul, tell me about this mercy. How were you shown mercy? Look what it says next. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So three things are poured out on Paul. Grace, faith, and love. And they're not just poured out. They're poured out abundantly. Oh, as I fall over the board. Awesome. This guitarist is now fired. Okay. A few weeks ago. No, that would be a lie. I was in the hospital. A few months ago, we, uh, my son and I painted the side of our house. And as we got around, I, I, th- I think we did a pretty good job. I actually have a picture here for you guys of the finished product. So <laughs> it's pretty good, right? That's actually Denzel Washington's house. Um, he and I are tight. But um, I sometimes confuse his mansion and my ranch. I don't know what happens. But all right. And so painting the outside of the house. And as we're doing it, um, we learned something. We learned that you never put the ladder in front of the paint and you never put the paint behind the ladder, right? It's so easy to do. It's so easy to just say, yeah, I got the paint. You're looking at the spot. You've got to get up on the top of the house. And so you just kind of refill your thing. You run up the ladder. You put the can down, right? And when do you find the can? When you come back down, you step in it or knock it over, right? And that's what my son Kay did the very first, uh, one of the first days we were out there. He came flying down the ladder, and he just knocked that thing over, and it poured out abundantly all over the lawn. And this is not cheap paint. I was like painting it back into the, into the bucket. I'm like, yo, man, get some more brushes out here. And so then not a week later, I did the same exact thing on the opposite side of the house, right? So I'm cool with it. Because we have, on the left and right sides of our house, custom blue Navy Hale Benjamin Moore striping in our grass. Thank you very much. You don't have that. (laughs) But man, it's one thing for there to be like a drop of grace, a drop of love, a drop of faith. You know, and if you walked around our house, to my shame, you will find little drops of paint that my son and I dripped as we were going along. And I think sometimes we think that's what God's done. He's dripped out a little bit of grace on my life. He's dripped out a little bit. of No, he has poured out abundantly this grace and this faith and this love on you and me. That's why we celebrate Good Friday because it wasn't a little thing. Jesus did not play it safe. He didn't go halfway, right? He went all in and busted through the isolation and the infection. That's why we celebrate Easter today. First Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. The worst. Paul says, I'm the worst. Timothy, just so you know, in case you're wondering a little bit about me and my backstory, I'm the worst sinner out there. Now, this is the guy that changed the world. Like, outside of Jesus, Paul's probably number two and influential in the reason why you and I are here today seeking Jesus. He got that word out, man. He built churches. He planted churches. He shepherded churches. He got, we're going to talk in a few weeks, all the things that happened to him. But I'll tell you what, Paul starts out going, I so needed help. I was dead. I needed rescuing. And Jesus entered into the hot spot of my virus, and he did the impossible for me. Even the most infected and the most isolated Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the most. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt like the worst sinner? Like the worst. Like you're just beating yourself up for the things that you've done. And you know, I I think, as I joked a few minutes ago about putting our sin up on the screen, probably everybody in the room knew I couldn't do it, but maybe thought like, oh no, if this joker somehow figured out how to pull this off, I just pray that those two or three won't be up there, right? Like, all right, right, Doug, if you've got to put something up there, let's go summer of 99, all right, but not summer 2005, because that was really bad, right? Like, don't put those two or three up there, and those are the two or three that we just aren't convinced we're forgiven of. Theologically, maybe, but yet we don't act like it, and we wake up cold sweats about it and we drive down the road and we daydream about what we wish we did differently there and all of that regret and shame and guilt and we self-isolate from God and we pull back from him because how could he want me right and that is what we sometimes have to come to terms with when it comes to our relationship with God that There were not drips of grace. There were not drips of faith and love poured out. There was a grace and a faith and a love poured out abundantly on you and me. So yes, the partying, forgiven. Yes, the drug use, forgiven. Yes, the alcoholism, forgiven. Yes, the impurity, the deep, deep, deep years of impurity, the the hate and anger in our hearts that we held on to, the vengeance we tried to take on somebody like, forgiven, 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 the worst of it all. Guys, listen to me. Jesus came to forgive your worst. Everybody say, Jesus came to forgive my worst. Everybody say this, the worst things that would have been on that screen, I'm forgiven for. Now, here's what I want to do as we go further into this next part. Keep in your heart this idea that God is wanting to do something in your life today. You're not here for information today. Information is good and helpful. But let's experience the presence of God in a powerful way as we go deeper into his forgiveness. It goes on. But for that very reason, Paul's saying, because I was the worst sinner, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. In other words, Paul is saying, if he can forgive me, the worst of sinners, he can forgive anybody. If he came for me, the worst of sinners, then he came for anybody. If he busted through the isolation and infection of me, then he came for you too. And what I want to do today is really experience what it looks like to go deeper into the forgiveness of God. And there's nothing magical that comes out of our mouths, but there's something about proclaiming to the Lord the truth that we know together. And even if you're at home, I want you to do this. So here's what I want you to do. We're halfway through the message. I want you to close your eyes right now. I want you to repeat after me, and I'm gonna talk for a little bit. You just keep repeating until I say, look back at me, all right? Here's what I want you to say. Thank you, God, that I am forgiven. Of my worst. Thank you, God, that I am cleansed, that I am whole, that I am new in you. Thank you for this gift. Look back at me. You are forgiven of your worst. The things nobody else knows about, things you only wrote down in a journal, the thing your three friends know about from that one summer and you pray to God they never bring it up or tell anybody else. Forgiven of your worst. And I pray here on this Easter 2021 that we've been able to walk deeper into the forgiveness of God. And if you've taken a step deeper, I want you to know there's about five billion more steps to take in that forgiveness. We're scratching the surface together here. But now let's grow in our awe of this salvation and what Jesus has done for you and I. We're going to look at Hebrews 2 for a few minutes. And a lot of people believe Paul wrote this. We're not 100% sure. But I love Hebrews chapter 1. It begins to talk about Jesus. and begins to talk about how amazing he is. He's the son of God. And he's the father who the father created the universe through him. And he's the radiance of God's glory. And he sustains all things by the power of his word. And he's superior to the angels, of course. you got, you got know, Jesus, the son of God, and the angels beneath him. And then it says this in Hebrews 2, 6. And, and the writer is actually quoting Psalm 8. It says this, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. I love that because the writers of Hebrews 2 and Psalm 8 are like just marveling at just saying, wait, how can this be that, that God loves me? Like, who am I? Who am I? And I think, guys, that's the attitude we have to take today, not in a self-derogatory way, not in a beating ourselves up way, in just a truthful like, God, who am I? that you would love me? Who am I that you would have done all of this for me? And this is what leads us to awe, right? Like when you think you deserve something, there's no awe. But when you know what you and I deserve, and suddenly we've been treated in a completely different way, that's when awe grows, right? Think about like sports. Think about music. Think about bands. Think about artists. Think about um, authors. And the ones that draw us out and draw praise out of us, they're the ones who are separated from us by a good bit, right? Like if, if, if a baseball player can do what I can do, I'm not in awe. If a musician can do what I can do, I'm like, cool, I could do that too, right? But man, when, when somebody gets out there and they crush a ball 450 feet, I, I think I have 449 was my furthest, uh, right? When somebody could take out a guitar and just, right, like just go, right? I thought that was a pretty good impression of a guitarist. <laughs> like, that's, that's when awe comes out, when there's this distance. And see, that's what we have to get around today, is that there's this distance between us and God. He's, he's so far above, and he's doing things that so blow our mind. That's where the awe comes in, right? And so we go, who am I, Lord? He says, verse 7, you made them a little lower than the angels. That's you and I. Jesus creates and... There's the angels, and then there's us. So we're like, we're not even like right under them, you know? There's what? There's distance. And he goes on. You crown them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Think about that for a minute. You are not just forgiven of your worst. You are crowned with glory and honor. Now, here's what I know about you. I know that you and I didn't wake up just instantly thinking about that today, right? You didn't walk downstairs and see your spouse or your kids or your parents or your roommate Scooping some fruity pebbles into their mouth. They're like, what's up? Happy Easter. You're like, you know, just live in large, crown of glory and honor. Right? Like, that's not how you and I woke up today. Those weren't the first words out of our mouth, right? But that's exactly how Jesus feels about you. And that's how he treats this isolated and infected world. It goes on. In putting everything under them, this, this passage is really confusing, so we're going to work through it. God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus. What is it saying? So God loves you and I, right? And gives us all these things, makes them subject to us, right? But the funny thing is, it's going to take all of eternity to understand what's been given to us. So we don't see all that yet, right? What God's going to do, what he's going to continue to show us as we walk with him in heaven in eternity Man, he's going to keep on just showing us new stuff, and, and here's what I've done for you, and, and this is yours, and this is under you, and, and then here, here's another gift, and maybe you didn't realize, but this is all part of what I did for you, and he's going to be going on and on and on, but what I love is, it says, we don't see all that, but we do see what? But we do see Jesus, or we, we may not get every little aspect of our relationship with God, and I, was, I had a great conversation with somebody this week about heaven, and what about this, and what about that, and I was like, well, I know this, and I know that, but... Yeah, that's a good question, and and there's a book about Yay Big written by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. You should all read it. It's incredible. It's amazing. It talks about how great heaven will be, and we know there'll be no more sin or sickness or death. I think somewhere in Leviticus it says something about no calories. I made that up. Don't quote me. Um, But we know we will celebrate and worship, and we will live, and we will laugh, and we will remember, and we'll be reunited with loved ones, and it is going to be amazing, but there's so much that we may not understand yet, but we do know this Jesus has purchased heaven, and Jesus is the Prince of Heaven, and Jesus is what makes heaven heaven. Ever been invited somewhere by somebody really special, and you didn't know what you were going to do with the person? It's like I don't know what we're doing, man. Play some balderdash or something, but like I'm just going because they're going to be there. I'm just going because they invited me, and that's the heart we should have toward heaven. Like, I'm, I'm grateful we know some things that are going to happen in heaven. I'm grateful that we know that we're going to be blessed in so many ways. But although I may not understand every aspect of it, the thing that's drawing me is Jesus himself. A few weeks ago, my grandma passed away. And we had several conversations as she was in the hospital and in hospice. And she was talking in the last conversation we had about The reunions she'll have with loved ones she she lost her husband 40 years ago she lived longer without him than with him um she talked about my mom who passed away about eight years ago she talked about her parents and, and we're talking about all these reunions that she'll have because all these people know jesus all these people have a relationship with him and i can tell you about my grandma that she's thankful to be with all those loved ones she is thankful her body is no longer riddled with cancer as it has been for the last several years But the thing she is most grateful for is Jesus, her Savior, the Prince of Heaven, because he is what makes heaven, heaven. It goes on. Who was made lower than the angels for a little while. This is talking about Jesus, right? We do see Jesus, that's what it said. Who was made a little lower than the angels for a little while. And this is where our minds have got to get completely blown. Because here's Jesus, creator of all things, becoming even lower than the angels, like, like you and I, like on our level. And then it says, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Guys, Jesus tasted death for you. Everyone say, Jesus tasted death for me. You ever been out to eat with a friend and they take a bite of their sandwich or whatever and then they go, oh, this is horrible. It tastes like death. And then what do they always say? Try this. Right? <laughs> You're like, you just said it tastes like death. I'm not tasting death for you, right? But think about what our Savior has done. Think about Him tasting death. See, like the Son of God tasting death for you should not be in the same sentence, right? Like, think about what He's worth and what He's do. And this is where we struggle, man. For, for many of us who've been followers of Jesus for a long time, we're just so stinking used to it. We're so used to the plot. We're so used to how it ends. We're so used to, yeah, Jesus came, and he got put on a cross, and he rose back from the dead, and, and it just how gross that that's ever our attitude about it, right? And we get so used to it, but let me just, this is like a horrible illustration. I'll just do the best I can with what I got here, because I just want you to see like how unbelievable it is. So there's all this drama right now with with Prince Harry and and Prince William, right? You know about this? Netflix has informed us all. I I don't know all the details because I haven't spoken with either of them in quite some time. But (laughs) I can tell you that it would be completely ridiculous, right? If there became something in life where I got accused of something and they were going to execute me. Again, I'm just doing the best I can with what I got right now, right? And one of them says, I will save Doug Jantz. I will take the penalty, and I will be executed in their place. No, so this is like, these are the princes of, well, I don't know if Harry is anymore or not. That's part of the drama, right? But, <laughs> but here is the princes, right? The sons of Prince Charles and Diana, the, the grandsons of the queen, they're gonna step in. Like, I don't expect that for a half second. That's ridiculous. That's a horrible illustration to try to say Here is the Prince of Heaven. Here is King Jesus. Here's the Son of God stepping in for me? This is what God's done. This is what we celebrate today. Verse 11. Both the one who makes people holy, which is who? Jesus. You can say it out loud. It's like Jesus. You can say it out loud. (laughs) And those who are made holy, which is who? Thank you, thank you. Are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Some of you guys are in the room or watching online today for that last line, I'm telling you right now. Just those few words. Jesus is not ashamed. Jesus is not ashamed. He's not ashamed to call you brother or sister. He's not ashamed to call you. his. Have you ever had somebody who was ashamed of you? I, this, this is um, the most public thing that I can remember. It's not like a huge heartbreaker for me, but it was really embarrassing. I remember going to... A concert in the city years ago and probably had about 30 people with me and we're walking toward the venue and there had to have been a thousand two thousand people in line ahead of us right and so we're walking and suddenly I see a friend like someone I thought was like a really close friend like I would say top five friends on planet earth to me right and I see them and I didn't expect to see them and so I I said their name in front of my 30 friends and I to this day don't know what happened but they looked me back in the eye Didn't say, hi, Doug, what's going on? How are you? So good to see you. Throw their arms around me, give me a hug. Looked at me, grabbed their bag, and just moved up in the line. And I just felt so stupid. Like, this person was, like, what, like, ashamed or, like, trying very obviously to distance themselves from me. Now, some of you guys would look at me and go, Doug, you're crying on stage because your friend didn't say hi in line? Like, you have no idea. How ashamed my parents are of me, my spouse, my kids. They won't even talk to me. I just want to tell you today, Jesus is never ashamed of you. He's never ashamed to call you brother or sister. And he gets it. See, that's the crazy thing. If anybody knows our sin and and the levels to which we go, it's him. And yet he still looks at us and says, I am not ashamed to call you brother or sister. If you're a parent in the room and you do what I'm about to say, don't do it anymore, okay? And if you're a kid in the room, don't look at your parents right now and make them feel awkward if they do this, okay? <laughs> so I have some friends who have told me that their parents, when, they, when the parents get disappointed in the kids, look at them and say, I love you, I just don't like you very much right now, <laughs> okay? I just wanna say, if you're a parent, don't say that anymore. And if you're a person, know that God never says that about you. He loves you and likes you always. And he gets it. Like I said, he he is real about where you are in life. And like last week, he wants to empower us, right? Like we looked at that last week, he wants to say, okay, here's where you are and and here's what I see, here's your potential, here's what I could do if you would surrender and just breathe my life in. So he's real about it, but every step of the way, man, he's rooting you on in him. That's what Jesus has done for you and me. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, since you and I have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This is what Jesus has done for me. Everybody say this, the power of death has been broken off of me. So I told you recently that, I told you that my grandma passed away recently And as I talked with her in those last conversations, one thing was very clear. There was not an ounce of fear of death in her. This is my little 93-year-old grandma probably weighed about 90 pounds. I wouldn't mess with her. (laughs) But just this sweet lady staring down the face of death. Gone. Like literally said to me, Doug, do not feel bad for me. I'm going to heaven. She, it was a little weird, even like as I would talk with her at times. It was like, "Grandma, are you going to Disney or heaven?" Like, like she was like excited. She's gonna see my, I'm gonna see my daughter, my husband, my. I'm gonna see Jesus. You know, like just this like anticipation, zero fear in my little grandma. Why? Because Jesus has broken the power of death and the fear of the power of death. Are you growing in your awe of salvation today? Like, please don't let this just be another Easter service for the love of it all. We gotta get closer to God today. We gotta grow in our love for him. You're not here today to get information. Information's helpful, like I said earlier, but you are here to experience more of his grace. This is the last part of Hebrews we're gonna look at here. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels he helps. In other words, Jesus didn't die for the angels, but Abraham's descendants, you and me. For this reason, he had to be made like them fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people and this verse 18 is what we're really going to focus on because he himself suffered when he was tempted he's able to help those who are being tempted you have a savior who understands you this is so big to me this is so big to me you see if God were powerful which he is but he wasn't also able to look me in the eyes and say, I get what you're going through, I don't know how many of us would be following him. If God was loving, if God was uh, able to conquer death somehow, as he did, but he wasn't able to look you in the face when we are at our saddest, our most broken, our most painful, and say, I have been there, I just don't know how many of us would find that all too appealing. But here is Jesus Who came and he gets it every single circumstance you're in, he understands it and can look you back in your eyes and say, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're feeling. I've been there, I've experienced it. It took that to get you to be mine. I ran through the isolation and infection, and that was part of it was feeling what you feel. And so when I was in the hospital and I come off that vent and I'm praising God for this miracle hardly had a voice at first raspy just talking i i I didn't know if i had a trach in me i didn't know if i had my own vocal cords i didn't know if i had my like i just didn't know at that point like what did they do but i'm i'm just thankful and like a week later goes by and i'm talking with doctors how can i get out of here and when can i get home and they find blood clots and then a lung collapses and they got to put tubes all over me and I'm in there weeks and weeks more, and you think I wasn't at times going, God, what is going on here? This is not how I envisioned this. I thought it was like miracle and out, man. And it was delay and delay and fear and times where I would go, I hope I'm still getting out. And it was only one thing that ever softened my heart, and it was Jesus. It was him looking me back in the face going, Doug, I know what you feel, man. My body hurt, too. When they beat me, whip me, put me on a cross, I know disappointment. I know what it's like to feel separated from your heavenly father. And Doug, you don't even know what that's like. And Jesus was the only thing that would pull me back and keep my heart soft so that I could do the things he called me to do in there and have some purpose and have some calling, which we're going to talk about next week while I was in there and make an impact on somebody. And so wherever you find yourself, are you grieving? Jesus has grieved. Are you hurting physically? Jesus has hurt physically way more than all of us put, put together. Are you feeling abandoned by the Father? He was abandoned by the Father. Are you feeling like you just can't take Another moment without kind of falling apart and weeping. He has wept and he has wept to the point in sweat drops of blood in agony. Wherever you find yourself tempted, I'm so tempted. I just can't figure out how to stop doing this or that. He understands the temptation, but yet never sinned. But the funny thing is, not really funny, funny, but the funny thing is is that the the sin of our wrongdoing was placed on him, and that's why he ended up on the cross. And that's why we celebrate. Good Friday and Easter, because Jesus didn't just create us, become one of us, die in our place, start throwing crowns of honor and glory, and pouring out grace and faith and love at no cost to Him. No, it cost everything for Him to rescue you and me, and we celebrate today that though He was placed in a tomb, that He came back from the dead, and He rose back, and that tomb is empty today. Amen. Amen. Now, some of you guys are here or watching online, you're going, "Doug, guys, don't buy it, man." I, Jesus as a historical figure, sure, put to death on a cross, I'll give you that. But the resurrection thing is where, where I struggle. And last week we spent five, ten minutes talking about a bunch of the evidence that we find. And I we've done whole series, 10 part series about why we know Jesus is alive. So if you're looking for answers, here is my my, my question to you. Will you please, will you please, if you're struggling with this, I talked with somebody this week, said, man, I believe and I don't believe. Like, I believe that Jesus died and rose back from the dead, but there's this other side of my brain that's saying, no, 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 science or uh, reason or whatever. Like, that would all overrule that. And it was actually funny, in the same conversation, he looked at me and said, well, I guess that overrules you too, though, because you're standing here, you shouldn't be, right? But along with that, I said to them, look, Let's, let's work this out then. Let's question and, and find the answers. And last week, we looked at some scriptures where Jesus and the disciples saw each other for the first time after the resurrection. But there was one guy who missed the party, right? His name was what? Right, Thomas wasn't there. And so Thomas misses seeing Jesus. Imagine that one, right? You think you felt left out before? And Thomas says, I'm not gonna believe until I touch Jesus' hands where the nails were and his side where the sword was thrust in there to make sure he was actually dead. And I love this. We didn't look at this last week. Verse 26, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, he didn't ignore Thomas. He didn't chastise Thomas. He didn't say, what a failure failure you are. I knew I couldn't count on you. How dare you question me? How dare you ask to see yourself? No, he said, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand, put it right into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, and my God. And so my question for you, if you're not ready to put your trust in Jesus today, I believe some of you are, but if you're not ready for that, is would you please, and I will help you, I will walk this through with you, would you please question this thing out? Seek it out. Ask the hard questions. Because my experience is that when you do that, at the end of the day, just like Thomas, you say, my Lord and my God. Somebody once said that the truth is kind of like peeling an, an apple. Like every layer you peel back, you just find more apple, right? Don't be afraid to dig into who Jesus is. And if he can be trusted, if he's actually alive, I can tell you from experience, when you do that, you will just keep finding more and more apple. You will keep finding more and more truth that, wow, this Jesus is a risen Savior. What I hope you guys are seeing today as we walk deeper into the forgiveness of God and, and the awe of our salvation is that Jesus came to rescue the infected and isolated. Some of us need to know that's who we are today, infected and isolated from God. Others of us need to know we're still wanted, even though we're infected and isolated. And if you want to put your trust in him today, I'd love for you to do that. But for all of us who've already done that in the room, man, can we keep walking deeper into the forgiveness of God? He came to forgive our worst. And along with that, can we just get our minds more and more around the depths to which he went, the way he has treated us, that he now crowns us with glory and honor, that he has abundantly poured grace and faith and love out on us, that he has broken not only the power of death but the fear of it, that he's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, that we would continue to realize this amazing Savior is one, that i got to sit back and go, who am I, Lord? Who am I that you would save me? That you would run into my infection and in isolation to rescue me. At the 9 o'clock service, we had two nurse practitioners here who didn't technically have to care for me. They, I was not their patient, either of them. And yet, one of them visited me every day single day. It didn't matter if they were on duty or off duty, they came. And they'd walk in, and even when I was on ECMO, there's a video of them talking to me and encouraging me and saying, we're going to get you back to church. And every single day came into my isolation, into my infection. I can't remember if it was this service or the one before, but if I said this, Kel, just nod or throw something at me. But they had to, because of a sign on my wall, did I say this in this one? Because of a sign on my wall that somehow alerted them that there was some very sick person in here with something that could very easily be spread, they had to gown up in all kinds of ways that they wouldn't if that sign weren't on the wall. And so through my entire state, even in rehab, all the way out until February 12th, I had people that would come, and if I wanted anything, like, oh, hey, I need a urinal, or I need a ice chip couple ice chips because I can't eat anything else. But it tastes like steak because I haven't eaten anything in a week and a half. And thank you for the ice chips. And I should breathe. Okay. So as they would come in, they would wear masks and all the normal stuff. But like extra gowns of protection just to remind everybody that this is a serious situation. And in the midst of that isolation would come Keith. And he'd walk in without all that on. And he'd come in and he'd hold my hand. And he'd pray for me. And when I couldn't feed myself, he'd feed me. Every single time before he left, he would pray over me. And along with him was April, who would come in, and she would encourage me, and she would remind me what God had already done, and she would go and fight with the doctors and say, you better take care of this guy. People, doctors would come in going, are you famous or something? Like, this lady, April out here, is like, like no, nah, man, I'm just grateful for April, <laughs> they busted into my isolation and didn't play it safe and reached over and grabbed my infected hand and bring life. And that's what Jesus wants to do for you. For many of us, that's what he's done for us. That's why we can't let it get old. If you're a follower of Jesus, walk into his forgiveness deeper, 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 and let your mind be that much more full of awe. And if you are not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. Because Jesus came to rescue the infected and isolated. Let's pray. God, we are so in awe of what you have done for us. We're so thankful, Lord, that you have come and that you've not played it safe. And Lord, on this Easter, we ask that you will do something so deep in our hearts. God, keep taking us deeper in your forgiveness. And Lord, just the awe of who you are and this salvation. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you wanna pray, you can pray with me right now. You could say something like this, Jesus, thank you so much that you've given me the gift of life. I put my trust in you. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I ask you to show me who you are. Like Thomas, let me see you. Let me see what you can do in my life. Let me see that you're there. Thank you that you busted into my isolation and infection. Thank you that you're not ashamed to call me yours. Thank you that you put a crown of glory and honor on my head. Thank you that you pour mercy out of my life, that you pour out faith and and grace and love. Thank you that you've broken the power of death.